today our heart is broken again to hear the news about two mass shootings. In less than 24 hours, 29 have been killed and 42 people injured in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. CNN calls this violence a uniquely American epidemic. Senator Cory Booker calls this horrendous evil national nightmare. And then Senator Booker calls for prayers that this country can find the moral courage to take action to end this carnage. Robert Ellsberg from Orbis Publisher who gave a talk about last year in our church also writes, we are possibly the only country in the world in which slavery and guns are literally inscribed in our constitution. This tragedy cannot be separated from the anti-immigrants and a phobia towards strangers. CNN reported this morning that the shooter posted anti-immigrant essay. Now, what does this national trauma tell us about our today's text? Our gospel tells a story about a man whose name is unknown. And he said to Jesus from the crowd, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. He must have come from a very affluent family because riches and inheritance are very important for him. And we are not informed, however, whether this man is the firstborn in his family and probably he's not. And he calls Jesus teacher. It is a very respectful address. He needs an advice from the master. Advice about how he might deal with his family business. But rather than giving an answer, Jesus clearly says that he does not want to step into the man's domestic business. Jesus sees a deeper issue here. The fundamental problem with this man is greed. And Jesus chooses to tell a parable of a wealthy landlord. In his parable, Jesus tells a man that has a vast land. His land produces good crops, so abundant his crops are, so that his barns cannot contain the fruits of his land. Indeed, he needs bigger barns. He thinks that when he finishes building his barns, he can lie relaxed and be happy. He has many possessions, but he is wrong. God says to him, you fool. This is a very strong word. 
the Greek word aphron has the same root with phronesis or phronesis, which often used to indicate wisdom or practical wisdom. And so, aphron means a lack of wisdom. The rich man thinks that he is wise. That he can plan everything for his future. That he, he lacks nothing for the life to come. But God despises him, saying that he is fool. And all that he has done are foolish and useless. He is, in our English word, a moron. The unthinking person. He works for riches and possessions. He exerts his soul to get relaxed. But when the soul is taken from him, that same night, what else can he do with all the wealth he has? Now, what is the problem with the rich man? The main problem with this man is the word I. Take a look at that passage. The I dominates his life. I do, I will, I, 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 all things are about I. His life is centered on the I. And I-centered people like him believe that they can do anything by themselves and for themselves. They do not need other people. And when we read the parable, Jesus aptly puts in such a way that we must ask further, where are the others? Does this rich man think that he does not need other people? Who will build new barns for him? Who will put his crops in the new barns? One can only think that the others in this rich man's eyes are only parts of his property and commodity. Greed indeed brings about enslavement. The presence of others who are equal can be dangerous for these eye-centered people. These eye-centered people will compare with, compete with, and conquer those whom they see as adversaries. To the very extreme, the others can be seen as threats for the eye-centered people, and as such, they must be eliminated. Greed does not rest only on having many possessions. Greed is a question about self-security, self-comfort, and that, and as such, the greedy people want to acquire more wealth in the absence of others. The other problem with the rich man in 
our parable is his confidence in himself. An overconfidence which we today call it toxic masculinity. The rich man is solitary. He doesn't have anyone with him. His riches are stored for himself. He does not need others except his soul. Here, the self-giving, loving, and nurturing soul of a mother disappears. Greed, to borrow the words from theologian Paul Tillich, is this rich man's ultimate concern. It is the question of life, a question of what is ultimate in one's life for which one is willing to surrender one's life. The Christian faith's ultimate concern is always the God of life, the God who protects the well-being of God's creation. God wants the beauty and harmony in creation are protected and conserved for the flourishing of all living beings. Mahatma Gandhi, the great soul from India, said many years ago, I quote, Earth provides enough to satisfy every human's need, but not every human's greed. Gandhi also exhorted that people must not seek, I quote, great wealth, but simpler pleasure, not higher fortune, but deeper felicity. What does Gandhi mean by this deeper joy? In other places, Gandhi said, live simply so that others may simply live. Thai Buddhist monk and peace activist Sulak Sivaraksa says that human beings cannot be autonomous, independent, absolute, and sovereign subjects. For Buddhists, Sivaraksa says, contrary to the modern Western subject, the subjects are always relational, interdependent, dependent on others, socially constructed and vulnerable. In Sivaraksa's words, I am, therefore you are. You are, therefore I am. We inter are. This is I really like. We inter are. My sisters and brothers, talking about simple life is not a hard thing among the Mennonites, right? Because we live this way for many, many years. For Mennonites, joy takes place in our practice of hospitality, in our ministry of peace, nonviolence, and reconciliation, and especially in following the footsteps of Jesus, our Master and Lord. This is our Anabaptist ultimate concern, I think. This evening, however, should we also ask, 
where does our Mennonite soul enter into our political decision? How does faith in our simplicity, interdependence, vulnerability shape our time and our everyday activities? The rich man in the parable is called fool because he is busy with temporary riches. Oscar Wilde has reminded us, I quote, Ordinary riches can be stolen. Real riches cannot. In our soul are infinitely precious things that cannot be taken from you. My sisters and brothers, living beyond the eye needs a recovery of the true soul. The recovery of our true soul must begin with acknowledging God as the lover of life, the mother who gives birth to every living being, and also a father who protects and cares when life is in danger. Our God disrupts the toxic masculinity embedded in our modern society, the masculinity which manifests in how we can gain greater power, might, and wealth. All these indeed are delusional. God stands with the powerless. He gives voice to the voiceless. And this reminds us to the words of Mary, the humble young woman from Nazareth. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich, the rich away empty. And at the end of our passage, Jesus calls us to be rich toward God. Yes, my sisters, my brothers, we are on our journey. We are pilgrims on this earth. Our hearts are restless and truly we seek our true home. Our home is not heaven. I suggest, because heaven is in God. God must be our home. And we don't have to wait to reach that home when we die. We can have God as our home here and now when we walk our journey. God can be our home only if we know that God makes God abode. In our world of pain, where the life of the powerless is jeopardized, where the life of the poor, the powerless, and non-human souls are rendered nothing by the powerful. So living beyond the eye invites us to live a counterintuitive life. In a me, me, me culture, we are called to change our way. 
our soul must yearn deeply into the heart of God's life-giving and life-sharing. And in this way, we must speak up against state-sanctioned policies which can bring about violence and death. Our men, no night soul, must encourage us to love others more deeply, to build a just community, a more welcoming society, a more humane world, a world where everyone has enough to live and to flourish, a world without gun and violence, a world for children around the world and their children's children. And if we fail to do this, God will say to us, you fool. Amen.